What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Alicia Battaglia in the host seat today, and joining us today is Ben Sanford, uh, FBC's technical director and good friend of the guy in the pulpit this week. Love me some Ben Sanford. (laughs) (laughs) Hence, the guy in the pulpit this week. That's how I'm identified. Good friend of Caleb Pearson. (laughs) It's in my staff bio. Yes, yes. And then, of course, you've heard him, Caleb Pearson. He is our uh, FBC's director of student ministries, and he is not in the host seat today. It's so is, it's so cool. He is in the preacher's seat today. It's, it's very. It feels like Mark Carey has been here a lot. This this chair. I yeah, kind of missed a thing or a bad thing. Uh, yet to be determined. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool to hear you do the intro, though, Alicia. You nailed oh, it. I yeah. love. Who came it. up Thanks. with that intro? Was that? Uh, was I that typed it up. It was oh, not yeah. me, as you yeah. can clearly yeah. <laughs> tell. It's so it good to be le- here. The least natural thing for me to be in this spot. It but is so good to be here. It is so great to have you in the preacher's seat today, Caleb. So. Tell us a little bit um, first about your weekend experience. But before you do, I just want to tell you that all of the feedback that I received this weekend about you preaching was super positive. There was one, um, one friend of mine who, she's an older lady, and she was feeling nervous for you. And she was like, <laughs> oh, Lord, he is so young. And she just lifted up a prayer for you. That's awesome. And then she said she was blown away. She just was, um, she just couldn't believe how well you did. Well, and, that's encouraging to hear. Uh, it was just really neat to hear you preaching God's word from the pulpit. That's awesome. You're yeah, that- very gifted. And uh, everybody I talked to, were, they were like, wow. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It was it was so cool. And I just want to say like everyone everyone welcomed me with open arms and was so encouraging about the whole process. And obviously people heard, especially if they're listening to this podcast every week, that it, that, that time's coming up. And so to have a Saturday night service and then do the both services Sunday, this is really the first time I'm, I'm giving a, a talk that many times in a row over and over and over. And so even my wife's like learning, oh, he changed this. He's working on that. It was it was awesome. I, I really loved it. It was just a, an overwhelming support to be a part of the local body in that way. And then and then even Ben, especially doing his job and and helping me with the microphone and all this stuff. It was just so cool. Uh, I felt like there were so many people in my corner, and people just want to see the Lord glorified. Uh, and so that was my prayer in it as well. When I found out a few months ago that I was going to be preaching, and so I've been preparing uh, this passage and meeting with Mark uh, ever since the start of the new year, really, and uh, working towards it. So it's crazy to think I'm already. Beyond so tell it. us about where you're at in the process of. Uh, so so you have your role here at the at the church in student ministry. You um, are overseeing Keystone, which is the mm-hmm. young adults group. Um, what other kinds of things are you uh, doing? Are you pursuing courses in seminary? Yes. So I'm taking uh, classes through Grace School of Theology uh, based in Texas, but it's all online. And so there's a, a master's in ministry program that I'm able to take, and they've, they've catered and designed towards people who are already working in ministry. So awesome. they can take these classes kind of at their own pace, uh, get through the lectures and, and do everything online. Uh, according to their schedule, and so there's a huge emphasis of of serving in ministry while you're you're learning the the back mm-hmm. end of it. And so even as FBC molded this mentorship program that I went through, and then a year later Ben went through, that has just 
blended perfectly yeah. uh, with with my studies and my training and and being able to to be here for these opportunities is just so humbling and heartwarming and uh, yeah it's really cool to I don't know just be surrounded by all these guys and have have this season of my life be the season where I'm being trained for this stuff I just I want to soak it all up really needless to say you're busy guy and your life is full which is great well it was really excellent to hear um, you preaching from Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41 this weekend uh, the, the title of your sermon was encountering God Ben I'm going to come to you and just give give us your takeaways things that stood out to you this as Caleb brought God's word to us this week um, he has to decide whether to roast me as my friend or, uh, <laughs> I mean, you said you got so much positive support, so I'm <laughs> glad to provide oh, the negative. Also, real quick, balance, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt Ben, but you're my favorite person to interrupt. I am sitting down with pastor Don Den Hartog and he literally is using a rubric and, and giving me feedback and critiquing my sermon. Oh, so wow. I'm very excited for that. But if you're listening and thinking, ah, oh, he didn't get enough negative feedback, go ahead and just uh, give it all to Don so he can just unload it on me when we, when we meet over Zoom. Um, I mean, I but, can start that process. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. No, I, I, I love that you said at the end, everybody just wants God to be glorified, right? And that mm -hmm. was, I think that was the purpose of your whole sermon. Like at the end of the day, this, this passage, we were just talking a couple minutes ago before the podcast and uh, you said, you know, it's interesting in a passage like this, um, there's not a whole ton of like, you know, this is what Paul meant when he wrote this. Hmm. Paul didn't write it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's no theological treatise being discussed. It's a narrative that's just really showing this is who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. This is what he was capable of. This was the response that the disciples had. And I, <clears throat> I loved um, the practicality of that, that stories like that are not meant for us to just um, hear. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then that's yeah. where we stop. They're meant to um, show us the character of God within that context and show us our, our uh, position in relation to him and then how we can trust him and the, you know, some of those practical and, and change the way we think right, in, exactly. in response to it. And, and so this was, was helpful for me because even amidst youth and Keystone, it is a lot of Paul's letters. It is a lot right. of, here's the argument he's building to, here are some misconceptions. Whereas a misconception of this passage in the world is None of that happened. Yeah. Right. Or, 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 you know, it, it, it's a whole, who is he, right? That ultimate question. Point of the whole sermon is to arrive at that conclusion. I, I asked that question, what does it look like to encounter God? And, and declared it's, it's to experience the living and loving work of Jesus, the author and perfecter mm -hmm. of our faith. But the disciples get to the pivotal, who is he? Who is this guy? And so you read this passage. Uh, I, I could have chosen the, the Luke account or the Matthew account, but I liked... Uh, the newest NASB translation of the Mark account because it does use the phrase yet Jesus and mm -hmm. I, I wanted that to be a transitional moment in the mm -hmm. sermon of yet yet God right and what has our focus but you have to lean into application because it's Jesus did this mm. so what am I what am I going right. to do about it uh, and right. what do I do with that and so I, I brought out these three results three reminders three remedies and then I, part of me was like 
good grief, they're, they're putting a 25-year-old up there. I got a nine-point sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, like, what kinds of things were you not able to yeah, hit? Because yeah. you only have, what, 40 minutes or so-ish? I it, it, to, The Lord continually what? humbles me because I look back at all my podcast hosting and I'm just like raking pastors over the coals, like, okay, blah, blah, blah. You didn't have enough time to get to something, whatever, all your studies. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, you have to you have to sort through this infinite, exciting God, and you have all these ideas and all these, oh my goodness. And I, I think it's a it's a misconception to think preparing for a sermon is is studying over and over and over and over and over the same verse. We do that, we meditate on it, but you also have to jot down different notes and meditate over your own thoughts and say, okay, God, by the time I'm done doing this. Help it be not my words, but yours. Mm. Help me sift through these ideas so that yeah. it, it relates to an audience, but does right by your book. And so I wanted the, it, it is nine different points, but it's just a results, reminders, and remedies about Jesus in our life and, and what that looks like. And so I wanted to present it in such a way. And we even had the slides in such a way where it wasn't this fragmented nine point thing, but it was just a, a narrative just mm -hmm. a story of how this can really change the way we think. And so I wanted to bring it back to Jesus, right? Because it's what that it's all about. Um, but with that, uh, you know, my first sermon, trying to just do right by that and, and not have too much crazy stuff going on and bring in a whole ton of other things. Uh, I mentioned a few other scriptures, but didn't have them up on the slide. I just kind of briefly mentioned them. This was a 35-minute sermon, Communion Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a, a few minutes yeah. kind of shaved off. Uh, if those if those few minutes were in there, I would have wanted to bring in some other scripture that directly speaks to God calming the seas and the storms. Mm. Because Jesus doing that is supernatural and marvelous, but that is not unique to God's story. And so I'd love to read a few passages with you, starting in Genesis 1, verse 6. Uh, then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made that expanse, separated them below. Uh, and God called the expanse heaven. Then God said, verse 9, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And so the creation story unfolds and God says it was good, right? In, in the book of Psalms, all these different Psalms, so many of them speak towards the idea of God calming the seas. Mm -hmm. Psalm 95.5, the sea is his for it is he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And then Psalm 107 has a little bit more of a narrative, and here's what Psalm 107, uh, 28 through 32 says. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. So, so parallel this with that Mark 4 account. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired heaven. And then verse 31 and 32 is, is a, an appropriate posture to have. It says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. So what do we do in response to a storm being called? Do we just say, oh, thank the sweet Lord. And then we keep rowing. There, there's there's a, a, a fellowship and celebration that can happen in the life of this dynamic. And so to have a, a, a Jesus encounter like this one, fit into this narrative of God is so cool to see, and it does raise the value of Scripture, start right. to finish. It's our small group last night. Uh, we were talking about just how when Jesus uh, rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea and he said, peace be still, I couldn't help but to think that, you know, here, here God at the beginning of creation spoke into creation. He spoke that mm -hmm. water into mm -hmm. being. So um, someone said, you know, I'm sure 
that the water is recognizing, oh, there's my Lord's right. voice and, right. and obeys. And, and here we have this God of all creation who has created all things and his creation, his, this, this natural response is for, for creation to obey, mm-hmm. to hear his voice and obey. Yeah, and the the storybook video intro does a good job describing yes, that. Yes, it does. The, the waters mm-hmm. recognizes it was the same one who created it, right? And so it was good to have that five minute video in place because it did set some groundwork. I'm like, okay, like perhaps I don't need to elaborate again and again sure. on something that yeah. this children's book does a very good job, you know, of of demonstrating. Um, yeah, one thing that stood out to me, um, you said when you were kind of getting things rolling. Um, that Jesus, he owns the scene, the setting, the cast, and the crew. And I loved that because I think that that um, helps us realize God's sovereignty Mm. over what's happening and his providence over what's happening. And um, I, I can't help but to think that the, the passage um, where Verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And so here Jesus is leading his disciples and he's taking them from uh, one side of Galilee, which is the west side, which is the Jewish Mm -hmm. side. And he's saying, let's go over to the other side, Mm -hmm. which is the Gentile side. Okay. This is after a long uh, period of preaching, Mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount telling parables, all of that. And I, I just, um, I want to commend the disciples here for, for going, like mm-hmm. they're following their mm-hmm. leader. And, um, and then to go to this Gentile side of, of the, the water. And for the purpose of the next chapter, Jesus heals a demon possessed man. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that demon possessed man, he even recognizes who Jesus is. He's the, the demon cries out, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? So there's this, this setting that here Jesus has been teaching here. They, he's purposed to one, um, not just lead his disciples, but he's also, um, coming for deliverance of another person mm-hmm. before they go back across the water. And so again. what's what's probably, you know, going through their minds as they as they do this traveling with Jesus is well, we don't we don't need to worry about the sea, but what comes after it, right? We're going to this Gentile land and so the, the storm comes, right? The sea itself becomes a problem and it's so it, it mirrors a little bit the end of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so you can see, oh, we're going across to this Gentile land. But now in this moment, this transition, there's going to be a a, a come to Jesus moment. You hear Mm -hmm. that phrase, come to Jesus moment. This is the archetype of a come to Jesus moment. And, And they say, teacher... Do you not care that we are drowning? Which it, what, that's definitive language. But we're dying here. Mm. We're, we're, we're declaring not only that you're just a teacher, <laughs> but that we're dying here. And neither of those are the case. And, and, and what we see is the immediate context of this passage is he, he's done with the parables, right? And then he explains those parables to his disciples, but not to the whole crowd. And mm-hmm. so there's this intimacy and the fruit of intimacy. But even there, there's a wrestling. To what degree are we going to trust this guy and see, oh my goodness, perhaps the days are waning where we refer to him as teacher. 
which is so cool to think which about. poses yeah. the same question to us right then, mm-hmm. observing that mm-hmm. text mm-hmm. okay well the disciples had to wrestle with this being uh in, encountering him to use your language there so now mm-hmm. us encountering him through that story uh it raises the same challenge okay so do we recognize him as certainly the wind and waves uh recognize him mm-hmm. as capable mm-hmm. certainly the demon recognized him as capable mm-hmm. so do we then in our own life circumstances uh recognize that he has that same authority and not only that authority but that he genuinely loves us and has our best interest in mind he mm-hmm. has our best interest in mind what matters most to Jesus in this encounter? Is it that you're delivered from scary waves or is it that this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to exercise your faith? And all of these these three years in ministry, which you look back on, it's like, oh, this happened in three years. I've been employed yeah. here for four. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see what Jesus is doing right. and he's talking about, here's what life actually is. Here's what death actually is. And I've been doing in my own personal study, just word studies, especially of Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we can skip over that or perhaps rehearse it too many times, but then we realize, wait a second, it's not a valley of death. Mm-hmm. It's a valley of the shadow of death mm-hmm. because that is a cl- the closest a Christian will ever get to experiencing death. Mm-hmm is the shadow of it and what is required for a shadow but a much bigger light. And so we wrestle with the darkness based on our understanding of the light. And at least in two of the services I've tried to mention, the the tendency we have to let whatever we can understand about the storm, which is never fully, Mm -hmm. determine what we think about God Mm -hmm. instead of the other way around. It's a fractured, stunted, big storm, small God, right? Which is what the disciples are wrestling with. And the purpose that, you know, God is, he's working here is to reveal himself to them mm-hmm. and to build their faith. And, and he's, um, he, he rebukes the wind and he speaks to the sea, but he questions them. And he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And I think that that is, um, like we, we don't know the tone of voice he was using, but mm. either way, whatever the tone is, the purpose is f- to redirect their attention on who he is. Mm-hmm. And um, just that he, he, is, he is a God of, of power and there is none other than him. The winds and the waves obey him. Here, you know, the, the beginning of Mark the, there's another demon that recognizes him, that, that he's, he has power over not only the physical things of the world, but the spiritual things of the world. Um, and they, they respond with great fear or um, another translation, I think says with, with a trembling or amazement mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, um, I think, a, a picture of encountering this, this no one like him. He, he's, he's, obviously other than mm. he's mm-hmm. he's holy uh it's a it makes me think a little bit of uh maybe what isaiah experienced they probably had a little bit of that fear um and being undone and isaiah's response was woe is me and here they're saying is who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him it's this awestruck, wow, wonder. And the whole time he's doing all this, he's constant in character. We can read this passage and say, well, that's unfair. Why is he asleep? Mm. But, but Jesus has always demonstrated an importance of rest. 
In fact, there's been multiple occasions where it's like, why in the world are you resting right now? Or we're at the height of the miracles in the moment, and then he retreats. And you're thinking, what? He goes to pray the night of, right? And all this different stuff. It's otherworldly. It's other than, Alicia, like what you're saying. And you look at uh, where Mark 5 goes. They came to the other side of the sea, so they reach it. And, and when he got out of the boat, immediately... Mm-hmm. Verse two, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And so you're like, maybe, just maybe this rest was was for something, right? And, and, right. and we should never parallel the idea of Jesus resting with the idea of God's inactivity because mm-hmm. that's not that's mm-hmm. not what this is saying. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to understand who to go to and what to call him and what to think of him really does make a difference when when we realize there's no such thing as a defeated Christian. There are only ignorant Christians who do not realize who they fully are in Christ. We, we can, The devil only has the authority over us. We grant him. Mm-hmm. The, the, the storm only has the, that ultimate impact when we yield it and we say, this storm is attacking my soul. It's attacking who I am. And Christ says, no, it's not. No, it's not. And so we we have to understand that. And then you get into that, well, how do I feel it? And what does that look like? And that just speaks to a life with Christ, right? That idea of a movement over a moment, which is something I, I wanted to mention as well as, as we gather on a Sunday morning, because if you're involved in this church and you're you're familiar with my parents or some of those stories I shared, all of the, the fruit and joy of that is because of the local church working. Mm-hmm. It's not because of Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. It's because of the Monday through Saturday when teens know who to go to and parents know who to call on and, and we're being the body. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to to demonstrate that I have seen that and that, that these kids are seeing that. And so it really just raises the value of, of the church in our lives, which is a goal. But. Yeah. There is a book. It's called uh, Not By Sight. It's by John Bloom. And uh, it's it's an imaginative, imaginative retelling of stories uh, from the New Testament. And he pulls this, this text out and mm. does an imaginative setting, kind of the scene and setting sort of a thing. But then he, um, he adds some application and um, he, he uses James as one of the disciples in the boat. So that's what he's referring to here, um, just imagining James being there. But he says, what Jesus did for James and the other disciples when he quieted the storm was a fear transfer. One moment they feared the storm, and the next moment they feared Jesus with a holy, reverent fear. Mm. This storm was a gift from God to them because it taught them just how powerful Jesus was and deepened their faith in him. And it prepared them to weather other, even more deadly kinds of storms that lay ahead of them. And I'm thinking the cross is ahead. Mm. That's a pretty big storm for them. When the storms of life hit, they almost always appear stronger to us than God's word. It is crucial for us to remember that our perceptions can be deceptive. When circumstances strike fear into our hearts, the question we must ask ourselves is, where is your faith? What God wants is for you to trust what he says over what you see. And I think you did such an excellent job of helping us to see uh, how much bigger God is than the storm. But but our hearts are deceitful. We can be deceived to think that the storms are are bigger and we forget mm. God's word. We forget um, who he is in the midst of the well, storm. Well, if, if you treat the sun as setting and distant, the shadows are going to be much longer, much bigger, much scarier even. And so it's all about that perception. Uh, ben, would you say that's true of our generation and and 
we raise the value of the crisis moments and the hurt and the struggle and we're, we can be fixated on them compared to yeah, yeah. So an understanding of God. Um, my dad growing up would always have a phrase that he would kind of drill into our heads. Your, your thinking is going to determine your attitude, which is going to determine your actions. So in the case of our generation, and I really, I really don't think that this is unique to us. I mm-hmm. just think that it is uh, certainly very prevalent mm-hmm. with us. Um, our perception, our thinking with regards to Jesus is, um, yeah, is small. So then the, the uh, conclusion when we come up with, um, when we come into these circumstances that are um, suffering for us, right? Hmm. The question is, do we know God well enough to understand that he's sovereign over those circumstances? Mm-hmm. And the answer is oftentimes, certainly is for me, it's no, right? right? So then if my thinking determines my attitude, which determines my actions, if I come uh, up against these kinds of circumstances and I react with a fear of the circumstance, or an anger towards God because of the circumstance, or a um, anything that can that can betray my lack of trust, you know, mm-hmm. show my lack of trust in the Lord. Then that has to be traced back to our thinking. What are we thinking about who Jesus is, and and does that line up with what Scripture has to say about Him? So in this kind of a passage, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that we need to be renewing our minds on mm-hmm. where, right? That Romans 12, one, two thing mm-hmm. where we're, we're constantly dwelling on these things, meditating on, on who Jesus really is as portrayed in scripture, as revealed in scripture and not our presuppositions of who he is. And it's a practical historical fact, the mm-hmm. God you have, he did this. Mm-hmm. And so we can we, oh my goodness, he, he has quite the resume. He is an active God, always yeah. has been. We are still in Bible times. We are a part of this story unfolding mm-hmm. by his grace, which is so cool to see. I feel like I need to clarify. There are other 25-year-olds who love the Lord. <laughs> uh, sometimes We were in a meeting earlier today, and I yeah. feel like Ben and I are speaking on behalf of all these heathens. <laughs> a lot of young people listen to this podcast. We love you. We know you love God and stuff like that. And we're and in the we're, same boat. And we're not perfect either. <laughs> and you yeah. know what? You're in the same boat. And Jesus was in the boat with them. And that mm-hmm. is that is a huge encouragement mm-hmm. to know that here we have um, this, this all-powerful, all-wise God who is in the boat with his beloved mm-hmm. disciples. That's how much he cares. That's how he draws near. And um, how good is he to be with us through the storm and how he he purposes it purposes it mm. to uh, sanctify us to um, help us to grow last night in our small group um, we were talking about like are, are we in any storms and mm. we're there's varying degrees of storms and that sort of thing but uh, the most of us were able to say, it's interesting how we've been through storms before that um, basically felt crushing to us, mm. but God was with us. God brought us through, and now the storms necessarily, they're not changing so much, 
but we have changed because God has changed us mm-hmm. and how we weather the storms. And that's through relationship with him. That's through um, knowing him through his word. That's from being surrounded with the body of Christ who uh, come alongside and encourage us. Um, so like just, just seeing Jesus there with his people is an encouragement to us. We're not alone. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have God living inside us, regardless of what the storm looks like. And there are 7.6 billion people trying to explain hurt, trying to find an answer for it, a remedy for it. And and here is one uh, that, that God has given us to explain. And, and I tried to convey that in, in the sermon of what if that hurt could point us to something mm-hmm. that we experience. What if that hurt so big, so tremendous, is meant to point to something even bigger so that, okay, yes, this is happening, but who am I? Who is God? And and where do I go from here? And Alicia, to your point of getting through these storms and that idea of sanctification and looking back, we can understand a lot about our God by looking back. And mm-hmm. like Psalm 107 says, hey, when the storm's gone, give thanks and exalt him and and look back a little bit and not just like sweet thanks genie that was wonderful but actually say oh my goodness that is so incredible that i i'm now able to look back and say oh my goodness god that's how you were at work in that or, mm-hmm. or and and that's where faith takes focus right and and james speaks to in his book um but yeah it, it, uh, you try to fit so much and you try <laughs> to just reach people and at the end of the day like I am surrounded by so many good mentors, and, and it is such a blessing to be here and, and have people encouraging me and training me and, and reminding me God has given you a personality, and, and you, don't need to, you don't need to be Mark Carey. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be somebody else. God has made you you, and, and you know, it's, yeah. just, it's so cool to be part of a healthy church that, that's growing Christ in me and not their version of, of Christ in me. And, and we cling to truth. We preach mm-hmm. truth and uh, let, let God move. So yeah. that was the goal this weekend. Yeah. Great job, Caleb. Thank you so much. And um, I tell you what, the youth, Keystone, uh, they are a blessed group of people because they get to interact with you face-to-face every week <laughs> and uh, here, be under your teaching. So uh, I just want to encourage... Um, uh, the body for all of us to be praying for um, those who are teaching us and leading mm-hmm. us um, and that the Lord would continue to equip uh, our leaders and teachers and give wisdom and grace and um, that we would be a willing people to um, be an active part in the body of Christ. So uh, Ben, Announcements. You're are up, there. buddy. You are up. <laughs> it's the Mark Francis chair, dude. It That's is just the Mark Francis chair. Which is funny because I'm not I know. at all I know. in just the loop. It. Yeah. I do it too. Yeah. yeah. The, the only things that I know of that are going on from the worship team are, um, are from the communications team mm. are the baptism service that's on the 27th, and we have a class for that uh, on the 22nd of mm. this month. Mm-hmm. So uh, register for that, fbcva.org. Mm-hmm. slash baptism, I believe. Um, and then the other thing that we got going on this month is food share. There's been some really cool mm-hmm. um, really cool stories coming out of that, uh, that uh, of the local outreach ministry and uh, exciting things on the horizon as far as um, our involvement in the community is concerned. But one of the ways that we're able to do that is um, through our food share program, which 
for those of you who don't know or weren't paying attention or weren't listening on uh, mm-hmm. Sunday. Weren't paying attention. You watch your mouth. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. The, who weren't able to be those, for sermon. those of you who fell asleep or walked out <laughs> angrily. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, anyway. you did yell at us. You told us to deal with it. I did a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Ben. Thank you for Yeah. So food share boxes are due uh, on the 27th. Of and this get month your boxes well. in the main lobby. Yes. Uh, the yeah. boxes are there. Uh, there's also a little sheet that can tell you ideas of things to put right, in the box. Right, 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 right. Uh, to give a little guidance of... See, you uh, didn't need me. You got this. I, you, you're, you're better. You're in more in the know than ben, I you got to do something around yeah. here. I know. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Caleb. Absolutely. And the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless. <laughs>